0: Today, I sit down with Alana Hadid, who I think the world of. She is a woman so full of authenticity, aliveness, love, you name it, she's got it. She shares all about her journey to and from the Hoffman process. She even opens up about how a very relatable little habit of hers radically changed post-process and how that little change inspired her own mother to attend the process. I hope you enjoyed this fun and inspiring conversation with Alana as much as I did. Welcome to Love's Everyday Radius, a podcast brought to you by the Hoffman Institute. My name is Liz Severin, and on this podcast, we engage in conversation and learn from Hoffman graduates. We'll dive deep into their journeys of self-discovery and explore how the process transformed their internal and external worlds. They share how their spirit and light now burn brighter in all directions of their lives. Their love's everyday radius. Welcome, everybody. Today, I am so excited as I am joined with Alana Hadid.
1: Hi. (laughs)
0: We are so excited to have you on, Alana, and um, I am hoping that you can give the listeners just a little bit of an insight into who you
1: are and what you do, your story. Sure. As Liz said, my name is Alana Hadid. (laughs) I live in Los Angeles and I own a clothing company. I'm a bit of an influencer and I'm a Hoffman grad.
0: (laughs) I love that. And one thing about your clothing brand is you have done a partnership with Hoffman. Is that correct?
1: I have. Oh, yes, I have. It's actually a super exciting thing for me. um, It was something that came to me on uh, my graduation day and everyone had kind of wanted something to take with them to remember their time at Hoffman. And I suggested doing some merch. So I made that dream come true right away after we came back and um, I make the Hoffman merch now. So it's very exciting for me. Actually, it was kind of a Hoffman process dream come true.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love seeing, um, you know, the the merch goes up on that final day. And I love just seeing everybody in there um, right now. It's mainly sweatshirts and t-shirts, but I love seeing everybody um, in it because it's pretty awesome gear. So it's a fun little, oh, it's Alanis. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Yeah, no, it's so cool for me. Um, I haven't, you know, obviously gotten to see anyone wearing it yet. But it feels good knowing that something that I'm doing is part of people's process since, you know, I miss my process so much. (laughs) And I know how great those last few days are um, bittersweet and amazing. So I think it's such a an awesome kind of honor for me to be a part of other people's process and for something that I make to be a reminder of their process for them is you know, kind of really the full circle for me. And I love it.
0: What a beautiful, yeah, what a beautiful thing. I didn't even think about it like that. That is so incredible to have that be one of their, you know, their binders and one of the takeaways is um is that. So yeah, how beautiful. I will snap some pictures for you next time I am there. <laughs>
1: Oh, please. Oh, that would make me so happy. Please do.
0: (laughs) Totally. I'm just so curious about so many things, but I, since we're talking about your clothing brand, tell us a little bit more about, about it and kind of the creative process behind it.
1: Sure. I started it with my business partner who is also one of my best friends, Emily. And uh we started in 2017. It's like a California luxury, laid back, ready to wear line. Uh, everything is made in downtown Los Angeles. It's been kind of a passion project for me for for many years and it's kind of a, an amazing opportunity to have a business that, you know, I'm just getting to create every day and and make things that I love and Again, also, you know, see people wearing my creations, it's, it's been kind of a, a surreal life choice and, and also like really an amazing way to, to watch people walking around in your, you know, your creative process.
0: <laughs> I can only imagine. So what is the name of the brand?
1: The brand is called of Trust. Um, it means to actually, it means to be in distress, but it's a little play on word because our clothes are, are kind of distressed, hand distressed. So it's a little tongue in cheek. It's French for distress.
0: Hmm, so, and you said 2016, 17,
1: 17, um, 2017, um, we started off as, uh, just denim jackets and, uh, we made some sweats for a pop-up that we did in, in Miami and, uh, 2018, and people went crazy for them. So, we kind of pivoted into sweats, and we were kind of in the right place at the right time for COVID lockdown because we were making sweats, and everyone wanted to be in sweats for, you know, two years. So, that was really amazing to be there in that space and be able to kind of have created really comfy, cool clothes for people to wear while they couldn't leave their homes. Um, so, we grew you know, about 900% 2020 and 2021. And we became a much larger company and now we're a full ready to wear line. So it's been kind of an an interesting couple of years for us.
0: How incredible. Well, And I'd love to hear a little bit about the process and how that's impacted your creative process. But I suppose first we should just even just hear a little bit about your journey to the process.
1: Well, it was an interesting journey. Um, A good friend of mine, Tallulah, had gone to her process, and I think her process was about eight years ago. So I would have been, I guess, at the old location. And she talked about it very fondly, but never, you know, saying you need to go, but always kind of. I think this would be an interesting thing for you to do, you know, (laughs) kind of a a sweet nudge in the right direction. And eventually I reached out via Instagram and I received an email back to email this person. They'll talk to you. And so I sent an email out. I got an immediate response and I scheduled a phone call. You know, I had a phone call with this amazing woman. Uh, We talked for about two hours. We scheduled another phone call a couple of weeks later, and we did another maybe hour and a half phone call just talking about life. It was really amazing. And I was meant to come, and then there was a horrific California fire and your old location burned down. So I stayed in touch. I had never quite scheduled, but also it took me about three phone calls to realize that I was speaking to Liza who is the the amazing CEO of the company um and I always thought you know looking back now I realize why it's such an amazing organization why people trust it so much that you know I spent hours and hours and hours just spilling my heart out to someone who I just thought was someone who worked at the process maybe an instructor and the whole time I was speaking to the CEO she never once indicated that she never asked me, you know, when do you want to go? Um she just listened and uh and eventually after many more phone calls and I think it was about a year and a half of speaking to her before I actually pulled the trigger to to sign up for my process that was in November of last year. So, you know, I have a I have an interesting story, I think. I don't think most people go through that sub process before they go to their process. And um I thought it was amazing to be able to uh speak to her and also have no idea that I was speaking to her and, in that way.
0: Yeah, she's she is pretty incredible, as is, you know, everyone on the enrollment team there. That's that's what they love to do is just, you know, talk to students or potential students and just say like what's you know, what's up in life? What how can we help you? So I love to hear that that was your experience as well.
1: It was amazing. I mean I felt like I had been in therapy for years uh, and speaking to Liza was an opportunity. I don't know. I, I felt like she was, she heard me in a different way and was really just listening and um, not dissecting me and uh, just saying like, you know, I think this would be great for you, but whenever you feel like coming, that's your time. And so that was a really amazing feeling, knowing that I didn't feel pressured. I never once felt pressured to go. I always felt like, you know, when I feel like going. And then I do think I I came to my process in the exact right time for me.
0: What was the shift there? Like, when was the moment where you're like, okay, you know, I've been talking about this or feeling this out for a few years, and I really got to get there now.
1: I was having some troubles in a relationship I was in, and I kind of felt like, ironically the the relationship was pretty toxic but i felt like i needed to work on myself to figure out where what it was that was bringing me to relationships like this or what it was about me that needed to change so i kind of pulled the trigger just thinking like i need to do some self work here um and figure out what what the problem is wh- what the pattern is I guess that you know at the time I didn't have the vernacular for that but I needed to know what my pattern was that was bringing me to these types of relationships and I just said I I really need to go I need to do something and I, I felt like Hoffman was the thing I really needed to do and. I was 100% right. Uh, once I got to the day of my process, I we had broken had been broken up for a couple of months. So I am actually pretty happy that I went in that place because I, I actually think that I, I got more out of it. But I mean, obviously, I know a million people who've gone in relationships just for me, I needed to be out of that relationship in order to do it, I think. But it was born out of a bad relationship. And my process happened when I was single and, and I think ready to receive a lot of information about what had been going on with me and bringing me to places where I was dating, not such great guys.
0: <laughs> oh, and I think it's so true. The process, like the process finds you, you know, and it finds you everyone at the right time for them and wherever they are in their journey. Um, and it allows them so much to unfold during the process. I, you know, I see it time and time again, but Walk me through. How was it? Kind of first
1: day arriving there. Process. What was that? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I was so nervous. I mean, I was. I I flew into um, SFO and I took an Uber there. And I think on the way, you know, I was like, I had like palms sweaty. I was listening to a lot of like meditation music. (laughs) I, you know, you really have no idea what you're getting yourself into. And truthfully, looking back, I'm so happy that um, no one had told me everything I was going to do, which is why I won't be doing that here as well. But I, I'm so happy. And I, you know, I, I've had several friends go since and I wouldn't tell them a thing. And afterwards, they all thanked me for that. So um, I'm also so thankful that uh, I had a, a good friend who didn't spill the beans. And I was super nervous. Uh, You know, I I did. I really didn't know what I was doing driving up. Though the the Petaluma campus is like Narnia, and I was I started feeling like, where am I and what am I doing and (laughs) what's going to happen here? But immediately, I I think pretty soon, as soon as I kind of checked in and and got there, I I started to feel a lot more calm because I realized that everyone that was there was nervous you know i kind of saw looks on people's faces and i was like okay everyone feels exactly the way i do like first day of school first day of camp feeling and i was like this is kind of cool that we're all in the same boat so i calmed down a little bit after that and and then the rest was you know magical crazy experience but um the first day was definitely an interesting one
0: (laughs) So true. yeah, you know, we can always see it on everyone's faces, and I, you know, I think it is comforting uh, to know that you're not alone in that initial kind of what if I, well, you know, I've I've entered the the gates of Hoffman because we have that nice gate um at the front, but <laughs> I like that I like the reference to Narnia. That's perfect. But what do you think it was about? Because I hear this time and time again about man, it was so incredible to not know what was coming. I was so thankful that no one, you know, as you said, spilled the beans. What was it about that particularly that allowed you to kind of drop deeper in or what did you appreciate? Why did you appreciate it so much?
1: What I always say to people is if I told you what, what you did, it wouldn't explain what you got out of it. So I I think like if I knew exactly what I was going to do every day, one, I think I would would have had a minimal amount of pushback and, you know. That doesn't sound like it's going to help me. (laughs) Like, I don't need to do that. That's crazy. Or, you know, I mean, just that, you know, I probably would have gotten very deep into my head, psychoanalyzing everything. And, The reality is the surprise of things is part of the process, I think, the not knowing and the not being able to control things, at least for me, controlling situations or going into situations where I know I can have a minimal amount of control is a pattern for me. So I think putting myself in that place where I didn't have control, I wasn't allowed to know, I wouldn't know what I was doing You know, every day or every hour was... Very freeing, actually, and it is is quite childlike. You know, you go you go to school as a child, and uh, you don't have any control over what your day is like or um, what you're going to do hour to hour. So, I do think that it kind of dropped me back into being a kid again uh, a little bit.
0: I Yeah, I love that. Just the 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 practice of being present, not knowing not knowing what's coming up, letting go of control
1: incredible. Yes, and also not trying to study before the exam, you know, like, I think that if I had known what it was, I would have maybe tried to perfect it. And that's not really what the process is about. (laughs) So yeah, I I think that was, it was super important. I do think the not knowing is maybe one of the bigger things that at least one of the things I I suggest to everyone that I've pushed in the direction of the process. When I suggested, I always say, don't Google it. Don't look it up. Just go. If you if you really are committed to you know wanting to get to a a higher plane of understanding yourself and compassion for yourself and others, like just go and and you know don't do the the research. You're just gonna. Everyone that I know who knew something when they went in felt like, oh, I wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't known. So yeah, I, I mean, I take people's word for it. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And what's one of the the biggest insights about yourself that you discovered during the week?
1: Oh wow. I mean it's one of the big ba- I think I, I discovered so many things about myself. I, I mean I think I discovered that there were things that I thought that I had dealt with in my life that were still very much locked within myself that I had not released. Again, I love therapy. I'm still in therapy. I think therapy is amazing. I think that what the process gives you is an ability to unlock things that are locked in you that maybe you don't know are still there. And then the tools to deal with those things at the process and after. And I don't know that for me, you know, I talked about these things and then I was like, okay, I've spoken about them and now they're gone. But oh no, I realized they were not. And um, I definitely got to release them there. So I think that was that was a big thing for me, for sure.
0: What aspect or what do you think helped you kind of get to that point of release? Because I hear that often, right? I, I've talked about this, or am I going to keep talking about this? You know, what was it for you that allowed that release to, to happen?
1: I have to say, you know, obviously, everyone always loves their instructors, their instructor and their instructor like team and thinks they're the best because that was theirs. I obviously think that I had the best team, but also my instructor, Marissa, who I just think is the most, one of the most amazing women ever. I was very forthright on my, my pre-process work. I also think that's super important. The more honest you can be and and introspective, you can be on your pre-process work. I think the more you'll get out of it because you're giving the information to your instructor to help you. So I was super, super forthright. And I think Marissa really kind of read between the lines and she suggested things to me throughout the process that helped me really get down deep into things that maybe I, I had mentioned, but I hadn't given enough credence, you know, I think that definitely helped me get there for sure.
0: So just kind of having the someone to just read your work, kind of be in it, walk alongside of you was helpful.
1: Yes. And also, you know, there were definitely parts of, of the process that were unconventional. And I think definitely had a, a layer to them that I would have never gotten out of traditional therapy, like physical expression um, and, and things like that. I think were were super necessary to unlock things in me that I wouldn't have gotten just from talking about it.
0: Yeah. To- I mean, and I hear that from a lot of people, right. That said that the physical expression is a piece that is missing for most or not understanding the importance of it or how to do it. Is that, is, is that something you still kind of carry into your life now is finding physical expression?
1: Yes. A hundred percent. I mean, it's funny. Cause I, you know, when I'm having conversations and I'm super close with my Hoffman group and we are all kind of, incredibly close friends and speak. I probably speak to someone from Hoffman every day when we have conversations about things we're going through. I always tend to remind everyone that the one thing, at least there's a million things that you do at at your process that you wouldn't do anywhere else. But the one thing that I think was kind of a key, at least for me, was physical expression because it's not not something that I had ever done anywhere else. Truly, I always say continuing that into my, you know, to my post process work in my toolbox is my physical expression. And, you know, five minutes of physical expression for me can like mean a week of feeling a lot better or a month even.
0: Yeah. I love hearing when, um, when graduates make that part of, you know, it's a, it's a crucial practice. And so if I'm, I love that you're repping it to your group and beyond of trying to make <laughs> encouragement. It's great.
1: Oh yeah. Big time.
0: Well, in terms of, you know, the process, how do you feel? I mean, we can bring it back now to, do you feel like it's impacted your creative process at all that it shaped your, your business venture? Cause I'm interested, you had your business, your creative business before, and then the process. And I'm interested to hear if it's, if it's shifted anything for you.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I trust myself more in my creative process. Uh, I feel like I'm closer to my authentic self and uh i think i can kind of hear my thoughts my creative thoughts or you know any of my other thoughts they're not behind a bunch of negative feelings negative self talk i i can hear my creative process much more clearly i trust what's coming out of my head now because i know that um it's coming from an authentic place and and a true reflection and of myself so yeah, a hundred percent. It has definitely made me feel like I'm much closer to me and, and that spills over into my work for sure. And creative 100%. It is totally a, a major shift in my brain and how my brain works and how I understand myself. So yeah, I think I, um, I create better for sure after my process.
0: And what are some practices that you that keep you in touch with with you your spiritual self or that authentic self?
1: Quad checks for sure. Although you know I don't do them every single day, um, I quad check a fair amount, and I think quad checks are amazing—an amazing quick way for you to you know get back in touch with yourself and also to kind of reconnect you to your process and reaffirm some of the things that you. Did during your process, and I always find that to be a really good grounding experience, and and to get back in touch with kind of my authentic self. And I think visualization is also really amazing. I, I use that all the time. I like to try to to do recycling as much as I can, but you know I think uh, visualization, quad checks, and then. You know, maybe once or twice a month, I I definitely try to do um, physical expression.
0: Look at you, just the star graduate,
1: <laughs>
0: repping all the tools and practices.
1: <laughs> yeah, teacher's pet, Marissa. You heard that? I'll let her know
0: for sure. One, <laughs> um, you know, initially bringing you, what brought you into the process was just struggling with relationships and insights. How have your relationships, whether it's with family or friends, or whatnot. How have those shifted?
1: Oh, enormously. I have, I think, such a better relationship with everyone around me. I mean, you know, people had noted as soon as I came back that I was just much more calm. I think I was a little bit of a testy person before. (laughs) And I think it was calming for others as well to see me come back and and feel uh, less frantic or less sensitive about a lot of things because I just felt calmer and more centered as well. I am in a relationship and it's a much less chaotic relationship. And I don't think that I would have been in the place to be in that kind of relationship if I hadn't, um, done the work that I did at the process. I, I mean, at a base level, I just have compassion for myself and for other people. And that helps me, you know, stay in such a leveled place wherever I am. As well, my mom is a, is a Hoffman grad now. She went right after I did. It's a kind of a funny story because I had like pretty high levels of road rage before I left and people used to laugh about it. Uh, you know, I wasn't like, you know, following people home because of my road rage, but I was definitely screaming in the car. (laughs) So when I came back, I caught myself at one point and I I didn't even really kind of real clock it for a couple of days. And then I, I realized I was getting cut off by people and, you know, driving in LA traffic. And I was like smiling and like waving people on and just like, you know, just looking around and enjoying myself. And I was like, Oh my God, I truthfully. I never thought I would be in a place where I could just let someone cut me off or let someone in or, you know, just be waving it off and driving along, smiling and, you know, in bumper to bumper traffic. And it was truly that shift that made my mom want to go. She was like, I cannot believe it. I can't believe that you don't have road rage. I need there's some something is different. And then as, you know, we we spoke more and talked more, she realized that it was like at such a, you know, a deep level, but it was really my lack of road rage that got my mom to go to the process. <laughs> That's probably one of the best things I've heard. Uh, true
0: change, right? True change of a parent is like, hey, your road rage is different. I'm I'm going to go to this. This must really work. Speaks volumes, I guess, truly to your road rage before, but also to, um, to just the changes you've made. But that's an intre- really incredible, fortunate um, to have a parent, you know, you go to the process and then have a parent go. But I'm also interested of um, what was that like? Because I, as for those of you that are listening or don't already know, we look at things through kind of the, we call it the negative love syndrome, but really looking at how we took on patterns, be- beliefs, you know, ways of being from our parents or our, you know, family system. So how was that knowing that she was going to go through that?
1: I was excited for it, and then as she started doing her pre-process work, you know, which is a lot of no incredibly in-depth questions about your childhood and you as a person and your parents as people, um, and how that affected you. Realizing that she was going to have to do that, and then at some point, I I assumed that she would have to internalize the fact that I had done that for her as well. That made me a little nervous. And ironically, she was having a little trouble with it. And her instructor suggested maybe I help her do her pre-process work. So I had and in doing that, you know, she was asking me, well, did you say I did that? Well, did you? (laughs) Did you? Did I was I? Did I do that? So It was very interesting. And, and I think I wouldn't have felt as calm about it if I hadn't known that, you know, within a few weeks, she was going to be at her process and she would totally understand. So if I had had to answer those questions without a process happening afterwards, I think I would have been much more uncomfortable, but knowing that she was about to go have that amazing transformative experience and also come out with a beautiful amount of compassion. I wasn't I wasn't worried that she was going to be mad at me for, uh, for being so forthright and honest about what she was like as, as my mom. That's, I mean, that's incredible. Was there, was there any, (laughs) but she was an amazing mom. She was an amazing mom. I'm just going to say that she was an amazing mom, but amazing mothers still do things that shame you, uh, shame you, Uh, shape you as, as a, um, as a child and, and then an adult. So regardless, the one thing that i kept having to say to her was like this isn't a blame game um there's no blame in this like you're not blaming your parents and i wasn't blaming you that's just the reality of childhood and and parenting so that's the one thing that i think some people had I had issues with she had some issues with and i don't think i ever really did but i never really felt like it was you know there was being Blame being put on on my parents, but I, I know that she was very protective of hers.
0: What we always say is everyone's guilty, and no one's to blame right because it is it's the human condition, but I, I think that I, I appreciate your honesty with that because that is that is a concern of some of, of you know, well, I don't feel like I had my parents weren't bad or mean or whatnot, but I love like what you said, well it doesn't mean that things didn't still happen or internalized
1: beliefs or that sort of thing took place. A hundred percent. And also, you know, I think one of the important things that I also imparted to her beforehand was I have really good friends that I made at the process, but I don't know any of their deep, dark secrets unless they told them to me. And I think that was something that she was a little worried about. And it was nice to be able to, to let her know that without, you know, I don't think I, that gives anything away necessarily, but You know, knowing that I wasn't standing in front of a group of people and having to tell my deepest, darkest secrets unless I felt like I wanted to also, I think made her feel much more comfortable that she didn't feel like she needed to, you know, no one needs to necessarily know what you were going through. You're going to work through that on your own, um, I think was really helpful.
0: And what's the biggest shift you've seen in your relationship with your mom since both of you have done the process? I'm curious.
1: Well, I think it's, it's very connected. Now we have this kind of Hoffman process language that we get to talk about together, but I think it's much calmer, not to say that we had a very kind of open and honest relationship always, but it just feels calmer. I think because we're both in uh, such a good place in our lives and in how we, handle stress i think we kind of leaned on each other a lot there was a little codependency there and now we're you know we're able to work through our everyday and issues on our own and so we don't really have to bring that we don't really need to bring those things to each other now we can kind of save uh our time for you know like happiness and and you know, joy, um, instead of having to lean on each other with issues all the time.
0: What I hear in that is just a sense of responsibility. You each kind of do your work and and clean up whatever you need to so that when you're together, it's actually just the purest of, you know, connection and love. And this is what this dynamic and relationship is all about. It's beautiful.
1: Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, It is really beautiful.
0: Yeah, I, I think that is just such an incredible... I mean just speaks speaks volumes too Alana to just how how deeply you are doing your process and working the work that even your mom was like, oh, what what change? You know, I I want some of that too." So inspiring.
1: Yep, and it's been really amazing. I think now I have I think I've sent four or five people, oh including my mother and you know, it's been really amazing that my process has affected people enough in that way that they, they also want to go. But also, it's been really amazing to kind of see the shift in my friendships with people and my relationships with people who've gone because we have this kind of unspoken process connection and Hoffman connection that, you know, you can kind of like, look at someone in a different way, knowing that they have done this kind of work as well.
0: I hear that. I hear that often, right? Just that knowing of like you did that, I did that. You know, <laughs> it's just that, yeah, that knowing look. I'm interested. Other than your road rage, what? Um, <laughs> which I just I do. I love that, and I'm sure that the roads of L.A. Thank you. But in terms of, as the podcast is titled, "Loves Everyday Radius," right, connecting to how your love ripples out into the world. What do you think has changed? at the deepest level of you post-process that you feel is now just showing up differently in the world or rippling out into the world from you?
1: That's a good question. I I think that the big thing is compassion for me. I think that the way that that shows up for me is being able to have compassion for other people. I look at the world in totally a different place. I have an understanding for you know, the person next to me, um, whether I know them or not, that they have probably gone through something in their life, and I can be a little bit more compassionate to what they're doing, how they're acting. And I try to take that into my everyday life, whether it's not being upset with the person who cut me off because they might be having a bad day, or it's, you know, in work with my employees or people I'm working with, or being calm and able to do more just means that I can give more back, that I have a more of myself to give to others. And I think having to spend less time worrying, being bad to myself, being negative with myself just means that I can be, you know, good for other people good for the people that are around me and I have more of myself to give to the world.
0: Well, thank you so much for um, spending some time with us and this community today, Alana. I so appreciate it. Thank you, Liz. Thank you for listening to our podcast. My name is Liza Ingrassi. I'm the CEO and president of Hoffman Institute Foundation.
1: And I'm Razi Ingrassi. Hoffman teacher and founder of the Hoffman Institute Foundation.
0: Our mission is to provide people greater access to the wisdom and power of love.
1: In themselves, in each other,
0: and in the world. To find out more, please go to HoffmanInstitute.org.